Jason Fair, welcome to the next episode of How to Jab and Knock Out the Competition with Real Marketing and Marketing and Sales Results. How are you? Good, Chris. Thanks for having me back, dude. I appreciate it. Excited. I wish I wish I had some, you know, gloves as well. Unfortunately, I don't. So, but I'm happy <laughs> to be sparring with you. I'll just go freehand. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Listen, um, uh, close warm personal friend Jason, I appreciate it. You're you are the man, the one that helped to jumpstart this entire podcast process for for me. So thank you from the bottom of my heart and starting this process for me. I greatly appreciate it. No, I was honored just to have you reach out to me to be like, hey, you're launching this new podcast. And I'm like, <laughs> hell yeah, I'm gonna be on for sure. Just let me know when and where. Awesome. Well, let's I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up a little bit. I want to first talk, I want to talk about you. Uh, you made a change yeah. recently, so I want you to tell the audience what you've been up to, what change did you make, and kind of what are your what are your focuses and goals moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. Great question, Chris. And, you know, it was pretty interesting. An opportunity came to me where it can combine my digital advertising background. So I've been a digital marketer for, uh, I don't know, too long for me to mention. But between that background and then also my video strategy background, I was able to combine those right so it's like wonder powers activate and i was it was cool for me to activate those again because you know i'm so client driven if i can have two superpowers like that digital marketing combined with video that's just going to accelerate my client's growth and that's what i'm excited about so that's why i really gravitated towards this agency based on the capabilities based on the client results and based on you know just being able to drive those results right for clients and you know, most of the clients that I work with, I've got a long-term history with them. And so I want to make sure that I'm, you know, giving them the best practices when it comes to marketing and also video. And so it was kind of natural for me to jump on board with this team. That's awesome, man. Congrats to you, by the way, on that on that transition. I'm really, I'm really excited for your trajectory and career path moving forward. I'm just curious. I just want to piggyback off of that really quick is... Yeah. Because I was just talking about this on another podcast with another agency uh, about coaching versus traditional agencies that are doing the work as opposed to coaching your clients how to do the work. Kind of, I'm just curious, what's your perspective on helping your clients, guiding them, mentoring them versus, you know, doing the grunt work behind the scenes? Yeah, honestly, we kind of do a little bit of both because okay. when it comes to digital marketing, a lot of times some marketers, they're super savvy. They know exactly what the digital marketing is. And, yep. you know, now that you're able to leverage a lot of first party data, some clients just don't understand that mix and they've been, you know, doing other things and they've just been, you know, utilizing other tactics that, hey, oh yeah, digital marketing, that's right. I haven't dove into it in a number of years. Like, what is it like nowadays? So we obviously educate them, uh, let them know what's going on, what's driving results. And then obviously we do that grunt work that you mentioned if they need us to execute. And it just kind of depends. I mean, we work with a lot of early stage startups that are resource strapped and they just don't have, you know, execution people to do it. So we're happy to do that for them. Other clients that have the resources, um, sometimes we're just providing content for them, then they're executing obviously that, or it could be something where it's a combination of, hey, they, they need a strategy and then we can help implement for them. So it's kind of like across the board, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, how you want to look at that. Well, I get it. And it, it yeah. makes sense. I, I think, um, you know, it's curious. I think everyone has their own perspective, kind of like leads, right? Everyone has their own definition of what is a lead, right? What does it mean? Um, but I'll be curious to see how things evolve when it when it comes to agencies and supporting clients moving forward, right? Especially as we 
you know, hopefully get out of this pandemic for good, you know, in, in the hopefully in the near future. Yeah. Let me transition into video, Jace, because this is something we actually, uh, I think, talked quite a bit about a year and a half ago when you, when you when you first jumped on with me. Is how have you seen video evolve since the pandemic? I mean, you and I are on video right now having a discussion about marketing and sales. I'm just kind of curious. How do you how have you seen video evolve, I guess, you know, since the pandemic started a few years ago? Yeah, I mean, just digging into our clients' metrics and just talking to clients and, you know, just think about it as a marketer or a consumer. I mean, before the pandemic hit, you know, video was on an incline, obviously. And yep. that, you know, the pandemic just accelerated things for video because it came to the point where if you were a marketer and you're trying to reach your audience and depending on your industry, you know, most industries were fairly shut down with like, hey, you can't come in here if you're a seller, right? So what do you do in that case? Obviously, Zoom is a great way to interact, personalized videos. Uh, as a marketer, though, and just as a consumer, too, like the consumption of video continues to skyrocket. So the way we're seeing it, it is like video is still the top of the content food chain, right? And so from an adoption standpoint, from an education standpoint, even from a conversion standpoint, you know, people are hardwired to visually and audio wise really understand video. So if you have a complex solution or a product or service, usually people want to hit the easy button just to be like, let me watch that video, right? And just so I can understand what your solution's about, because we all know, you know, it's like, I think the stat is like 80% of people do research online. I think it's more like 98% personally, but um, they're doing the research, they're going online, they want to learn about your product or solution. And usually with the video, it's a real easy way to either introduce right early stage awareness or yep. to get them to really get in your in your funnel and your, go down that rabbit hole and video is obviously the, a great way to hack that attention to early on i love it um we're using zoom right now right and don't tell zoom this but i'm using the free um the free video platform right yeah i mean the the, the there's so many tools out there, right? You know, this Vidyard, Loom, and we go on and on and on about, yeah. you know, Soapbox. I've used I've, I've used quite a few of them. But I think, you know, given that human element, right? Like, newsflash for the audience out there, I've never met Jason, right? I know you through LinkedIn introduction that you sent me a while back. We've done a couple of podcasts now, right? It, it's kind of like I feel like you're a brother from another mother. But again, we've never met in real life. IRL, right? So, but, but again, being able to humanize and just have that relationship and being able to discuss and strategize and just talk about, you know, the current state and the future state, I think, you know, yeah. that's how you build rapport, right? That's how you build that uh, reputation on what you do, how you do it, and then giving the consumers the ability, as you said, to consume all that data. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. One of the trends we're seeing with a lot of our clients over the last you know, previous agency, current yep. agency is a lot of companies are finally getting the storytelling element. Now we've mm. been preaching storytelling for years and years, and now they're really trying to move away from, not move away from, but it's more of like, hey, instead of like branding ourselves, right? Like, hey, here's our company, here's our company logo. It's like, to your point, Chris, like how do you humanize that brand, right? You, you want to get your leadership on camera. You want to get your, you know, your C-level executives talking about their story and why they developed this company. And it could be anything from a early stage startup to a well, you know, funded, 
massive billion dollar company, but it's getting away from, you know, just brand, brand, brand to now it's, they're finally absorbing storytelling and people resonate with storytelling much more than them just saying, here's our solution. Here's our, you know, we can solve your challenge. We can solve your problem. It's like, no, here's our background. Here's our story. So it's exciting to see a lot of these companies finally transition a little bit more to storytelling, which is awesome. Love it. That yeah. is music to my ears, my friend. And I think, yeah. you know, look, no, you know, no offense. Uh, nobody gives a shit who you are or who the company is you work for, right? Unless you have a previous relationship, yeah. what they care about is can you solve their problem? Can you solve their perceived problem, right? How can you help them become better at whatever they do, right? Whether it's in healthcare, life sciences, pharmaceutical, right? Biotechnology, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, man, storytelling, like, <laughs> hello, right? How... That what better way to resonate with your audience than 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 building that compassion and having that no like trust? I talk yeah. about that a lot with clients, no like trust, right? Where you're building that momentum and you're and it's relatable. It's relatable, right? Yeah. So let's Jason transition into trends. I'm just curious from your perspective, since we last spoke a couple of years ago. Marketing trends. I mean, what are you seeing out there from your perspective as you look at the, as you analyze the data behind the scenes, right? The man behind the curtain. Um, what are you yeah. noticing now and kind of where do you see trends going in the future from a marketing standpoint? Yeah, I mean, some of the trends that have been going on for a couple of years that I think will continue into 2023 is really provi providing valuable uh, content to your buyers and not just selling to them, but really educating them about your product, your solution, and really, this is one of the terms I like to talk about is, you know, we see this a lot of times still, not with our clients per se, but I just see this as kind of a consumer out there. It's like you go to someone's site, the first thing that they're asking for is like, hey, sign up for our demo if you want to see our solution in action. And it's like, yeah, those days are long gone. And I see transition happening from, you know, year to year. And hopefully that will continue to next year where it's like, don't get your content. People want to learn about your solution. You want to be helpful, Right. That's like old school sales tactics to be like, give me your first name, give me your last name, give me your email address. Um, unless, I mean, the caveat would be you've got this amazing case study and you're in this industry that's super highly competitive. And maybe there's only one other like industry or under company that's really fighting for your business. And you're like, hey, I need email address just to make sure this is confidential information. That case is kind of a one-off to be like, okay, maybe you've got some privacy concerns. Maybe you don't want to give it to everybody, but I think that's rare. I think that's small. I think that they're, the majority of the companies, they should be giving their content out for free and it should be uh, on a regular basis where you know they're pushing it out there. If they have a sales team, the sales team has really helped leveraging that content as well. And then obviously the marketing team is out there leveraging it too, but I think that trend of transitioning from, I need to capture as many leads as possible, fill out my form, um, is switching uh, slowly to the ones that it's more permission-based to be like, yeah, hey, I've, I understand exactly what your solution's offering. I understand how it's gonna solve my problem. I'm ready to talk to a consultant, um, somebody else. So I, in my opinion, it's really changed the dynamics of a seller. There's still a seller out there, don't get me wrong, but I think more and more, it's beginning to be like, hey, the marketers are the ones that are really generating the leads based on the content that they're creating. And unfortunately, or unfortunately, however you look at it is, at least the clients that we talk to, that burden or that, um, you know, that process of lead gen and awareness 
is falling on the marketing shoulders more and more now. And so that's their responsibility because kind of goes back to my earlier point. It's like, it's hard to get access to these, these groups of people, these buyers nowadays. They're online. They don't want to meet you face to face. So really it's the marketing team and, and hopefully the marketing team is ungating that, a lot of that content so they can at least warm up those leads. And then, you know, you've got the superpower of the CRM so the sellers can look on the back ends of the data to understand, hey, who's the most engaged and then at least help out that person, that buyer along the journey, right? To know like, hey, you've downloaded five eBooks, you've watched five videos, you went to our event in Palm Springs this year, those sort of relationships are much better on the seller side when you've got that information to know, to your point, know, like, and trust. At that point, when they're following up, hopefully they you've built that trust, that knowledge, right, with that buyer and that seller's jumping into that conversation now to be like, hey, we just released our new uh, solution. It's a blog post here. Have you, you know, did you check that out yet? Here it is. And then they can kind of interject during that buyer's journey. So that's you know, it's transitioning. We're seeing more and more of that, but I still think there's a lot of companies that are still doing a little bit too more old school, but I think I can see a lot of those transitioning over to what I just mentioned. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, bravo. Amen, amen, amen is the first thing I thought of. There's a lot to unpack there. I mean, just a couple yeah. of comments. Are, I think I had too many like jabs and hooks and you know, uppercuts. <laughs> That's for all right. That That's all right. Yeah, yeah, you That's were dodging right. a lot there. I could tell. Yeah, Mike Tyson, jab and move, jab yeah, and move. Yeah. Um, and what do you say? Everyone has a plan and everyone has a game plan until they get punched in the face. Right. Anyway. Um, so a couple of things, and I'm going to call some people out. I, I think one of the old school, traditional mentality, old school, traditional industries out there is SaaS. In my opinion, okay. I've been in SaaS since 06. Okay. A lot of those clients tend to have that old school. Hey, Jason, don't really care about I don't really want you ungating it. I want you gating it because we need to generate all these leads, right? Because we have all these salespeople that yeah. have to make all these phone calls, right? And I, and, and, and I agree. I think that's the wrong way to go. Look, you're pivoting. The paradigm shift is happening whether you want it to or not. As a salesperson, and I used to be one, would you rather have 10 meetings booked that are teed up for you from the marketing team? Or would you rather be handed 100 leads that you just don't, are they qualified? Are they MQLs, SQLs? What's the, what's the definition of a lead, right? Like that mentality, it's, it is changing and I am seeing it evolve, right? And I'm going to call out some of the sales directors out there, especially those that are in your 50s and 60s where, man, you got to stop with this old school crap, you know, because I've seen it too many times with clients is it's about the quality, not the quantity, right? If you're bringing them down the funnel, Jason, where they raise your hand saying, okay, Let's talk price. Let's talk what you have to offer because of all the things I've done, all the research I've done online. And I agree with you. I think it's more than 80%. Look, yeah. with YouTube and Google alone, you can find pretty much anything you want online. Hello, people. It's there. And if you're not putting it there, you're behind <laughs> because your yeah. competitors are doing it, right? So anyway, man, that was a ton to unpack. Love what you said. No like and trust. And I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to give what the buyers want. We've said this a million times. I know you and I, you and I think preach it, you know, time and yeah. time again is it's got to be there. And and I and I will say this, marketers, you are selling at the end of the day. We're all selling, right? Whether you're with a company or you're a consultant or you're an agency, you're always selling, right? I mean, that's just part of your job. It's part of the deal. It's how you help the company grow. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. I digress because I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but that was that was an outstanding perspective. And, and I love, I love just some of the things you brought up. Okay. 
transitioning a little bit, ICP. What does ICP stand for? Ideal client profile. Just kind of curious from your standpoint, who is your ICP from where you sit? Yeah, I mean, we work across multiple industries, but yeah. a couple of our core industry would be like biotech, diagnostic, medical device. Okay. Those are our ideal like customer profiles, or I would say more company profiles. And then typically we are interacting with the marketing leadership team. Um, and it could be anything from early stage startup, right, to fully commercialized. Um, but a, a lot of different reasons why I can unpack why most of these types of industries, again, biotech, life science, medical yep. device, they are typically working with us because they either have a complex solution that they need someone's outside expertise on to really understand how technical they need to be to, to communicate what their solution is providing their buyers, right? And when, if it's something that's, that's complex, we help simplify it. We distill it down. We figure out what's the, the key marketing message with them, collaborate with them. And obviously there's certain constraints with legal regulatory in that industry. So that's kind of our expertise to a certain extent too. And then also too, when it comes to just kind of figuring out what some of that, um, that messaging would be to be short and succinct because a lot of times the marketers are in there, they may be like PhD level and they're just like getting way too much in the weeds where it's like, that's great when it's later out on in the buyer's journey to get in the weeds. But early on, you've got to hack that attention. It doesn't matter who that decision maker is. You could be on social, you could be at a conference, it could be right. anywhere. You still have to hack their attention with something just to get noticed. Right. And so that's one yeah. of our superpowers is really collaborating with our clients to uncover, hey, how do we, you know, distill some of this information down and think of it more of as a buyer's journey and then understanding gaps in, you know, from awareness to consideration to decision. So if you want to go down the rabbit hole, like let's get them down like a little bit further before you get too much in, into the weeds for sure. But we work across, I mean, imagine anything that's fairly complex we're typically working with. Um, SaaS and insurance and all those other industries that have fairly complex solutions or even cycles that are long and they need a lot of educational content. So we're working across industry. Love it. Great job explaining the value, right, of an agency. And, I, and I'll tell companies out there, whether you're small, medium or large, right? I mean, it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. We don't have, I mean, you know, you don't have all the answers. I mean, and having an outsider's perspective, like, you know, from, from where you sit and from where I sit could be monumental. I mean, so don't be afraid to tag into Jason or myself to really help help you grow better, quicker, faster, um, you know, to really help elevate your brand and image. And kind of like you said, you're right. Like when you get into the weeds like that and I'm a PhD marketer, boy, I can get very, very specific to the point where I'm losing my audience, right? I'm losing who I'm actually trying to target. And that's where you and your team come in to really help explain that high level that's going to resonate. Ah, that's going to tell the story the right way to help grow their business. I love it. Yeah. And then also they're maybe so focused on the solution itself that they may not be educating themselves about the different tactics that they could be out there leveraging on the marketing side. Like they're great when it comes to the product itself and talking about it, but maybe they don't know some digital marketing tactics that are out there to understand how they can leverage data, uh, those sorts of things that Maybe they know at a high level, but they just don't know how to execute it. And so that's when we're really coming in, collaborating to understand, oh, what are your KPIs? Is this conversion? Is this more awareness? What is it? Here's the options that you can leverage. And, you know, there's a variety of different tactics we can share with them. And, and part of it is definitely an education because they may be so focused on 
their next product release and understanding how to articulate that, that they just don't know what tactics are out there to actually engage their audience. I love it. I love it. And I, and I think it's to some degree, it's a lost art, but really being able to understand the data, analyze the data, ah, know yeah. what to do with the data, Jason. I mean, that is, but that's, to me, that really separates the haves and the have nots, you know, when it comes to even as a marketer, writer, a sales, sales director, sales manager, it really helping to really understanding how to interpret the data really is going to go a long way in your success in the future. So I love what you just said. So you kind of answered my next question about outputs. Um, You know, we could do, we could use all kinds of acronyms, CAC, KPIs, QBRs. What do you think are some of the more important, you know, outputs that you help clients with today? Yeah, it runs the gamut. I think the big thing is to focus on only a few that really like move the business, right? Um, Some clients just want awareness, which it's good and bad because what happens a lot of times they start with awareness, they see what's happening and then they were like, well, how can we kind of measure this a little bit more? It's like, well, you wanted to do awareness, right? That's what we're doing. We're getting the impressions out there. It's resonating with your audience, but it's an education thing too. It's like, well, now we've got to change the creative. We've got to change the messaging to make it more conversion friendly. And, oh, we need to look at that landing page to make sure it's conversion friendly too. It's like a whole new world when it goes from awareness to conversion, right? And I think for the KPIs, the best thing to do is focus on like two or three main KPIs. A lot of times we get a lot of clients that are focused on this massive spreadsheet and they don't know how to interpret that data, right? And so it's like, let's distill this down. Let's figure out those top three. And then if there's a fourth that's kind of nice to have, okay, great. Let's maybe include that. And then the key thing is to obviously hone in on those metrics, those KPIs, and then optimize as you go, right? And so the data can be interpreted a couple different ways. And then we always typically come back to our clients to say, hey, you know, here's what's resonating with the audience. Here's what's driving the most results. But we see this opportunity over here that we're getting some play, right? And this could be a way for us to optimize it as well. And a lot of times, to your point too, Chris, is they just don't have time to get into the data to really understand. You know, they've got, you know, they're booked to booked to meetings back to back and they're trying to, you know, just do their day to day job. And it's like, how do I analyze this data to really understand? So that's when partners come in, data partners like us, we have access to a multiple data partners and then just having our team execute these campaigns, launch those campaigns. And then obviously the key thing here is to optimize based on those KPIs. Love it. Yeah. Love it. I, you know, I'll, here, I'll use another acronym, Jason. Kiss method, everyone. Keep it yeah. simple, simple, right? I mean, I, yeah. I agree. I, you know, I've been in corporate situations where, you know, I've had, you know, uh, my my subordinates have eight to 10 KPIs and like, I'm in a spreadsheet, Jason, going, how am I supposed to grade this? Yeah. What, like, how do I, like, you're spending, you literally could spend hours looking for the data to grade the scorecard and input the score. Anyway, yeah. so. It resonates with me because I lived it <laughs> and I understand it, right? But really focusing on those on those two or three makes complete sense. Okay, I'm going to leave you with this because you and I could talk about this for hours. I know. Virtual events, hybrid events, online events, face-to-face yeah. events. Um, talk to me from your perspective. Yeah, talk to me from your perspective because you have a yeah. ton of experience with this. Yeah. You know, what, are the, what are some of the hidden best practices when it comes to well, let me take a step back. I think doing hybrid is extremely difficult, in my humble opinion. Uh, I think they're hard to pull off. Now, I will give a shout out to HubSpot. I wasn't there, but I heard that they put on a hell of a show last week uh, mm-hmm. with their inbound conference, um, whether you were virtual or face to face. 
but I guess I'm old school. I'm a Gen Xer. I'm a face-to-face kind of guy. And to me, that's really how you build rapport the right way, how you build camaraderie, how you can read, um, you know, facial expressions, right? Body language. I mean, you just can't, I don't know. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Of, you just can't put a price tag on that stuff. Anyway, yeah. I don't want to derail this piece of the, the conversation, but what are some of the hidden best practices you see in executing either a face-to-face or a virtual event from your perspective? Yeah, let's let's unpack a little bit about sure. what you mentioned yep. between hybrid and then in-person. So I yep. love this topic. It's one of my favorite because I'm on the comfort, conference tour as well. So <laughs> just talking to clients, like when the pandemic hit, yep. um, virtual events were horrible from a lead gen perspective um, from clients. And, you know, obviously we're with a variety of different clients and they're just like, every time I'm asking them about these virtual events, they're like, meh, not good for lead gen at all. Um, to your point, right? It's like, they're not face-to-face, they're not interacting, they're not getting that body language. And so fortunately, unfortunately, like those events, like online or virtually just didn't work for at least my feedback from my clients. I mean, if someone else would chime in on whenever you post this on LinkedIn, would love to see if someone else is like driving a lot of leads from these virtual trade shows, but from my clients, they're not getting anything. So that when the pandemic stopped and obviously went to in person, like they were cheering, they were pumped up, they were excited. Legion actually started to happen again. So for that point, for sure. And so we develop a lot of different strategies for our clients and we, we look at it very strategic. So we're looking at pre-conference activities, during conference activities, and then post-conference activities, just like most people do. But I think a lot of marketers, when I have conversations with them, they seem to emphasize pre-conference stuff during conference stuff and then oh yeah what do we should we do for like post-conference and I'm like to me post-conference is like the most critical most important thing but it's because there are just so many things like okay sales needs appointments let's get that going what sort of content do we need to push out there let's tell people we're doing this let's get the event page up and then during conference like Oh my gosh, we've got so many uh, trade, like we got to book the meetings, we got to book events, we got to do our lunch, dinners, and breakfasts, and oh, our our trade shows are going to be put together. And then they're like, oh shit, yeah, we got to make sure we got stuff to do post. And I'm like, you know, honestly, it's like when those people leave the conference and they go and you get their badge scan or you've got their email address for that first time lead, that post marketing is just so important and so critical that I don't think it's anything like secret that I'm talking about. I just think the mindset of most of the marketers are focused on pre and during, but post is critical because that's where you actually get the leads into your database and you start nurturing them, right? And you can do all the different marketing tactics afterwards that I can get into, but I feel that is something that needs to be more top of mind for markets. Like they need to reverse engineer it almost. They should start with what we're going to do after the conference but there's just so many things and I feel bad for an event marketer because there's so many things that they have to put in place that it's like, oh yeah, we need to make sure what's going on after. And it's, it's challenging for sure. But I think post is so critical. I completely agree. Coming from somebody that has hosted many, many live events, project managed many, many live events, more on the smaller scale. Um, yeah. Uh, but in virtual events as well, it, it, typically the executive team and the, and the sales folks, well, you know this, they have no clue the amount of work that you have to put in. But I agree with you. I mean, I'm a big fan of reverse engineer. I'm going to use another quote, begin with the end in mind, Stephen Colby, right? Where you have to figure out, well, what's your end game, right? Is it, you know, after a a conference, is it 20 meetings booked, you know, 20% conversion rate to opportunities, 
20% of those converts to close one business, whatever. Maybe that's say, let's say it's a hundred K, right? Like, but you got to understand that. And then you, and then you back it up from there, right? What does the event look like? What does the post event look like? Cause I'll tell you this from experience. And this is what used to drive me bonkers is <laughs> I'm going to say it and, I, and I'll get crushed for it. I don't care. Salespeople <laughs> tend to be lazy. Salespeople tend to be lazy because they think they do all the hard work, hard work during the conference. They take the meetings, they shake hands, they kiss babies, they go out for drinks, they do this great dinner. And then what I've seen more times than not afterwards, Jason, this is what used to drive me nuts is the follow-up is not there. The process is not there. The leadership alignment, making sure that things are done correctly in a timely manner isn't done. And I think that's an area where marketers can really, I think, level up their game. And I know you and your team, you know, at the agency obviously do that, you know, for clients, but boy, oh boy, just, I'm just thinking about all the, all the, all of the flashbacks of the frustrations I've had where, you know, you create all this goodness. And then at the end of the day, you're not seeing the results that you wanted. But I agree with you that, but you got to understand what that goal is, right? What is that goal? And then how are you going to get there? Anyway, I digress. Yeah, for sure. All right. So where can people find you, Jason? How can people get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn 24, well, not 24 seven, but I'm definitely <laughs> on LinkedIn a lot. Um, obviously that's the best place to connect with me, interact with me. And then obviously you'll post this on LinkedIn too and tag me. So that's probably the easiest way. Uh, to find me. I've got, a, as you can imagine, a lot of good, helpful content on LinkedIn and continue to develop relationships. But that's how I look at LinkedIn. It's um, I'm just there to provide value, provide resources and educate people. That's my goal on LinkedIn. So part of this, obviously, conversation goes to that as well. So, you know, thanks for having me. Always great to join you. And thanks for having me back for sure. Awesome, man. Really do appreciate it, Jason. Thanks you for being a part of today's How to Jab and knock out the competition with real marketing and sales results. We really do appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. We'll talk to you Thank soon, you. buddy.